You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Dear children of God, children loved by God. Here again, just a a portion of the gospel lesson, Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, I know it's been almost two weeks ago, But did any of you watch the ball drop in New York City on New Year's Eve? At least on TV, it it appears to be quite a celebration of a million people, I think I heard reported. It's an event that brings a smile to everyone's faces. Very festive moment. There's anticipation in the air and and it builds and it gets stronger and stronger as it gets closer to midnight. And then it happens. All eyes are are looked up and at the ball, and and then the countdown begins. Ten, nine, eight. Then there's hugging and kissing as the clock strikes midnight. What a celebration. And why not? A new year, a new beginning, a, a fresh start, people holding to the hope that this is going to be the year where everything aligns perfectly in my life. Maybe you've been filled with the same type of hope on New Year's Eve your own, in your own life. But how long did it take and how often does it happen for those high hopes to come crashing down? It's almost like a, a, vicious, a vicious cycle, really. We start off the new year with such high hopes, but then 365 days later, we're ready to say goodbye to the old year and hello to another new one. It happens over and over again. There have been more than a few New Year's Eves where I was happy to say goodbye to the old year and hello to the new year. Of course, there, there are some of those years where it was a really good year and maybe there's hesitancy, maybe we don't want to say goodbye to the, the old year, but more often than not, by the time 365 days pass by, we're ready to say goodbye to the old and, and bring on the new fresh start of a, another year. But then it starts all over again. It's a vicious cycle. Speaking of a vicious cycle, there's something else that happens in New York City on New Year's Eve beside the the celebration. Typically, when when we turn off the the TV that night, everyone is celebrating and, and happy, but then wake up the next morning and read reports of people who were at that celebration who got in a fight on their way home. So one moment, they they are happy and rejoicing and celebrating, and the next moment, they're angry and fighting with one another to try to get out of that place. And it happens every year like that. It's a vicious cycle when sin is involved. 
And that's the explanation for it. Sin, there really is no other explanation for it. On New Year's Eve, I determined in my own mind that that I'm going to be a better dad, a, a better husband. And then, well, you know how it goes as well as I do. But the next New Year's Eve, I'll have that, that same thought in my mind. I'm gonna, I want to be a better dad, a, a, a better husband. And, and I'll, I'll do the same thing the next New Year's Eve and the next New Year's Eve after that. But then what happens? Well, you know. It doesn't take long for the New Year high to wear away and, and I'm back to my usual disappointing self and, and back to my same old tricks again. It's what happens when sin is involved. So often reality doesn't match our New Year's hopes. It's a vicious cycle, really. High hopes followed by low disappointment. The reason for that is because there's sin in this world. There's sin in our hearts and lives. High hopes followed by low disappointment. High hopes followed by low disappointment. It happens over and and over and over again. It makes us wonder if that vicious cycle can even be broken. High hopes followed by fulfilled hopes. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that vicious cycle has been broken. Let me take you away from Times Square on New Year's Eve to a, a different event, an even more amazing event, the day of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. An incredible event, quite a contrast from, from New Year's Eve in Times Square. Definitely not a million people gathered at the Jordan River. Chances are maybe it was just John and Jesus and a few by, bystanders on, on the shore. Quite a difference. But, but why, right? Why did Jesus come to be baptized by John? We know why people make the trip to Times Square on New Year's Eve, but why did Jesus make the trip to the Jordan to be baptized by John? Well, we're told that John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people went out to him Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. That's why the people were baptized, for the forgiveness of sins. That's not why Jesus was baptized. He was sinless. He didn't need to be forgiven. And yet he still needed to be baptized. Now it is true that for us, only a week has passed since the last time we were gathered here. Only a week. But the last time we were here, last Sunday, we, we, we heard about the Magi coming to worship the newborn king. And now, for us, even though a week has passed, today we're introduced to Jesus 30 years later as a grown man. 30 years. A lot can happen in 30 years. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't tell us much about what happened in those 30 years of Jesus' life. About the only update we get is that during those 30 years, Jesus didn't sin. Oh, his, his mom did. Joseph did. Everyone living in that house did. But not Jesus. No, Jesus did not need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. 
No, we, we are told that, that, that he came to John to be baptized, but that's not the reason for it. Let Scripture speak for itself here. We have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Hebrews 4, verse 15. Those 30 years between Jesus' birth and, and the day he was baptized have become known as the quiet years of Jesus' life. But those 30 years of perfection are as equally important to us as the hours he spent on the cross dying for our sins. During those 30 years of, of silence, those 30 private years of Jesus' life, he was already doing everything that was necessary to forgive us for the things we do in private, the sins of our hearts and our lives. Those 30 years of Jesus' life, of which we know so little, are just as important as the three years of Jesus' life of which we know so much. Every single detail of Jesus' entire life is vitally important to our eternal salvation. Every little ounce of it. Now, I can hardly imagine what it would be like to be in Times Square on New Year's Eve. But even more, one has to wonder what it would have been like to be there on that day Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan, and as he was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Not a glamorous ball dropping, but even more. The heavens being split open above Jesus. You just knew God had to do something big for this event. Because Israel had been waiting for so long for the one God promised to send, the Messiah. And permit me to paraphrase what the Father spoke there. He said, You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Basically, that that is the Father saying to Jesus, you are the one. You are the one I have chosen. You are the one I have sent. You are now the one I have anointed and appointed to become their Savior. There's no doubt about it. Jesus is the one that was promised to be the Savior. He's the one who is now the, the, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's what the name Messiah means, the anointed one. Now, kings were more, more often than not anointed with oil. But, but Jesus is anointed with the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and with the voice of his Father's approval. And that is exactly what Jesus needed. Jesus needed that type of anointing when you consider all that Jesus had to do in the next few years of his life. Jesus, as true man, needed the strength that baptism provided. Jesus needed that anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of that voice of his heavenly Father as he took steps closer and closer to the cross. Jesus, as true man, needed the strength to carry out his Father's will. And all of that 
this baptism gave to Jesus. This benefit was, this baptism was of a huge benefit to Jesus. The baptism didn't only benefit Jesus. It also benefits us. Already at Jesus' baptism, we see that, that he did not come to serve himself. He came to serve others. No, Jesus did not come to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins, but we can already make a connection to the forgiveness of our sins. Because when Jesus was baptized, essentially this is what happened. that The hourglass was flipped over and the grain started passing through and every moment was one second closer to the cross. So already at Jesus' baptism, we see that he is there to accomplish what his father asked of him, no matter what it was, even if it meant dying, even if it meant the cross. Already at Jesus' baptism, we see his connection and commitment to us. And so his baptism doesn't only benefit him, it benefits you and me. Of course, we can't think of Jesus' baptism without also thinking of our own. And there are a lot of similarities, aren't there? Jesus, at his baptism, the Holy Trinity was present, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the same is true at our baptism. The Holy Trinity is present there as we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It was at Jesus' baptism where he received the strength to live a holy life and to fulfill all righteousness, we are told. At our baptism, we are clothed with that righteousness of Christ and given the strength to live a godly life out of thanksgiving and honor to our Savior. It was at Jesus' baptism where he heard his father say to him, You are my son whom I love. We heard the same thing at our baptism. That is what God told us at our baptism. You are mine. You now belong to me. And let me tell you, I really love you. And guess what? I'm not afraid or ashamed to let the world know it either. You belong to me. Baptism, what what an incredible blessing it is. While there are a lot of similarities between Jesus' baptism and our baptism, there are some differences, and the biggest one is this. Jesus was baptized because he needed to save. We're baptized because we needed to be saved. And Jesus, as the Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one, that's exactly what he became, our Savior. And how blessed we are because our baptism connects us to him. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be any hardships or setbacks or disappointments in the new year. There most certainly will be. Maybe there already have been. But that doesn't rob us of the hope we have as forgiven, baptized children of God. That's the difference between New Year's Eve in New York City and and the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. New Year's Eve often leaves so many people disappointed because their hopes are not realized. 
But at Jesus' baptism, all hopes are realized and fulfilled. What do we learn? He is the anointed one. The one God sent to be our Savior. The one who became our Savior. And that is a hope fulfilled. And never, ever to be disappointed. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.